into the zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash WDM1. Welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Shannon... Dang it. Boffman. <laughs> Good job, David. <laughs> thank you. Thank Hello. You. I was really worried. You gave me shit on one of the first episodes about... Uh, what, what was it? The Amanda Show. The man... Uh, yeah. I don't know you what the heck we it. were talking about, but I was like, oh, I'm going to mess up the, the Hank Hill voice. I'm going to be publicly humiliated <laughs> yeah i love king of the hill so it would have been uh you know i would have to do bushido code and suicide myself oh well yeah. i'm bad at voices so i thought you did good yeah save it for the other people yeah save it for the other voice actors within king of the hill ha, yeah ha, ha. <laughs> hi shannon how's it going it's going pretty good how are you doing I'm doing good. It's Memorial Day. It is. Um, it's uh, kind of dreary outside, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's nice. Do you like this type of weather, really? I think so. Yeah. Does you put? Does it? I think it puts everybody in some type of mood. But yeah, like I like it, and I don't. I don't know. Like when I, I don't know, because like we're inside, and I knew we were gonna be inside, so it's fine that it's rainy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, that's that's. Uh, it's, I've always been back and forth with it because, like, Tanya and I, um, we were born in April. So we were like, we were like, we always like to watch the rain. Um, and we always say it's because we were like in the mother's womb and like we were hearing the rain. I was like, yeah, that's why I like rain, whatever. So I, I quite enjoy this weather. Yeah. But that's nice. Nonetheless. Uh, for those who don't know, Into the Zeitgeist is our bi-weekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and drag them back up to be talked about and shit like that. Shannon, I really don't have much. Uh, you know, if you want to support the podcast, uh, go check out our Patreon. But I kind of want to jump into kind of the meat real quick. Okay. Hit it running, so, as they would say. Yeah. Or is that is that the phrase? Hit it running? Hit the ground running? Hit the ground okay, running. Right. There we go. Okay, here we go. Whoa. <laughs> Long night last night. I went to a pool party yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, you missed. It was crazy, but it was, there was a lot of people. And so I was like, oh, just okay. really like, anxious. I was like, oh. Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm tired. <laughs> that, that was the my. The ground running? Oh, I see. That's why, you're, that's why you said that wrong. I understand why you said all that now. Oh. <laughs> uh, Shannon, let's hop into <laughs> our opening segment, uh, Purging Our Sins. Purging I think it's your week, sins. right? It is our week. So um, we were talking earlier about how maybe we want to relate these stories to the episodes, maybe a little bit, you know, if we can. So I was thinking about my childhood and how one of the reasons I really enjoy King of the Hill is because... So I have two moms and they separated, but one of my moms just really reminds me of Hank Hill. Like it's uncanny. And I was thinking about that. And, um, so I would go to church. Um, there was this, what's, like, uh, what's this mom's name? 
I don't know if I should say her name's Sharon, but Sharon. Oh, okay. um, I don't know because of where this story is going, if I should oh, have said okay, her name okay. or not, but I may cut so, that out. sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> I mean, she was there. She knows what happened. So this story, um, <laughs> so we used to go to church, uh, this like very LGBT plus friendly church. Um, I think it still exists in Denton. It's called Metropolitan Community Church, I believe. Um, it was a really great church. It was super fun, but it was super small, like very, very, very small. We're in Texas, not a whole lot of that around here. And so, um, it was small and my mom was heavily involved in it. And so occasionally, like, I would do like readings for the church. Oh, okay. Well, one Christmas, um, I think it was Christmas. Yes, possibly Easter, Christmas or Easter, one of those a big holiday. Ones. <laughs> yeah, someone was supposed to do a reading and they didn't show up. So my mom was like, "Will you fill in?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure." And so there was this podium and everyone was just taking turns going up to the podium and it was like numbered which passage to read and so that's how you knew what to read next. How many like, kids were like reading passages? Well, it wasn't kids. It wasn't oh. just kids. There were like adults. Like everybody. There wasn't like a separate kid room or anything okay, it was so just i need you to answer like how many people were there yeah, no how many people were like were going up in sequential order and reading passages i think there were like three or four. Oh, okay i was thinking like tens oh i was no. like oh my god no <laughs> there were like okay. there were just like three or four people reading doing these readings and so but there were a lot of people in the church because it was like one of these particular holidays. I can't remember if it was Easter or Christmas, but there were prob- but it was a small church, but there were a lot of people there. So I would say there were probably like 60, 70 people. That might be overestimating, but that would be my guess for uh, right okay, now okay. and what I remember. And so I have to go up there and read this passage, but the paper's just up there. Like, I don't know what I'm reading yet. And I wasn't really like listening to the person who went before. Oh, no. Um, and I so I, this is going. Well, so I get up there and I read the right passage. Oh. But this is like what the passage says. I like Googled this and looked this up right before we started. And so I think this has to do with Judas dying judas was like a bad guy in the bible mm-hmm. sold out jesus yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there you go um and so i have to read this out loud Please. in front of all these people now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages he fell head first his body burst open and his intestines spilled out <laughs> oh wait and that wasn't even the best part. The, there's like another way to read that. This is a, another version of it. This is the King James version. This is the one I read. Hang oh, okay. on. That was a different version. This is the King James version. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist. And all his bowels gushed out. <laughs> All his bells gushed out. All his bowels got gushed oh, okay. out. I was like, All oh. his bowels gushed out. I read that and then I lost my shit. You laughed and <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting up there and I just start I stop and I go I like move away from the microphone and I just start like silent laughing. I'm like I'm trying to demonstrate for David what I'm doing, but I just like <laughs> stepped away from it and just I'm silent laughing. But then like I'm laughing so hard that people thought I was crying. 
No. And I was just so upset by no. the story. Um, but yeah, and so then my mom, and so all these That's people awesome. are like, oh my God, is she okay? Is she okay? And then my mom's like, she's just laughing. Like, she knew me so well. And oh, she's like, it was such a Hank Hill, like Bobby Hill thing. Like, oh. <laughs> she was just like, no, and like got me out of the way and like, she was very understanding. She's like, I know, but did she let you? Did you like? Okay, my question is: Did you play this act off like on stage? Like, did still everybody in the congregation know that you like you? They thought you were crying. So I think they figured it out. Oh no! That yeah, that I had awkward. just like started laughing, but I think they also understood. Like his bowels fell out. Like that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's dark, but yeah, I would laugh. <laughs> Shannon, that's awesome. You know, I was just thinking, I was like, that is like, is it ironic the this segment is called Purging Our Sins? I know. And it was like about... That's uh, what I was going to say. This is a very... Uh, um, it like relates a, to King of the Hill in a way. And the, <laughs> it's also an actual sin. Yeah. <laughs> you were in church when you committed it. <laughs> Oh, that's a great one, Shannon. That's funny. Uh, Shannon, let's get into today's uh, topic of conversation. Okay. So, yeah. So, today we're talking about the animated sitcom series, King of the Hill, which was created by um, some familiar names you might recognize, Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. Um, it ran on Fox from 1997 to 2010, um, and you can watch all of the seasons on Hulu now. Um, it actually premiered January 12th, 1997. I looked that up earlier and wanted to mention that. Is uh, Mike Judd's that guy who did um, Beavis and Butthead, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, oh. but he did Beavis and Butthead, and then Greg Daniels did The Office. Oh, okay. And then he's done a few other shows as well. But yeah, so we'll talk more about the creators and some of their background here in a little bit. But um, the voices of the characters themselves on King of the Hill, um, you might also recognize. So Mike Judge um, was actually Hank Hill's voice. So these are just some of the main characters. I'm going to go through who they were mm. and who voiced them. Okay, um, so Mike Judge, uh, he was actually the voice of Hank Hill and Boomhauer. <laughs> Nice. Um, I might mess this name up. I'm so sorry. She's so talented. But Kathy and Jimmy um, is Peggy Hill. Um, Pamela Adlon is Bobby Hill. Love it. Johnny Hardwick is Dale Gribble. Love it. Stephen Root is Bill Dotrieve. And um, as I think you know, if you look up anything about King of the Hill, uh, Brittany Murphy was William Platter. And I think, you know, it's really special that we can remember her as that voice when we think back on the show yeah, and to be honest, her legacy. Brittany Murphy is. You know who she is? So no she, um, she's a famous actress and she um, died. I don't know if it was an overdose. I want to say it may have been labeled an overdose, but there was like suspicious mm. activity involved or something. What do something. you remember her from other than Cameron? Um, she was in Clueless. That's a fun one. Oh, is she the main character? 
in Clueless? Yeah. No, she's a side oh, character. God. Um, she was in she was in this movie. Um, oh, with Dakota Fanning, and Dakota Fanning's a little kid, and she has to take care of her. I can't remember what that movie's called. Um, those are the two main things I always think of when I think about her. Oh, okay. Her yeah. face is familiar. Yeah, I, she was I'm in sure a bunch of quite a lot. Huh. Nice. Yeah. Um I always thought Luann was really funny. I know. I love Luann episodes. So yeah, I love that Brittany Murphy voice her and that we kind of get to keep that treasure with the show. Shannon, I have a question. Um, who's your favorite character? On King of the Hill, like out of the main characters? Well, I guess just, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And then we can go tertiary if you want. Okay, yeah, I think Bobby's probably my favorite out of the main characters. I would have to second that. Yeah. yeah. I, love, I love Bobby. Um, I would, if I had to play second, I would definitely say Dale. Dale is hilarious. Oh, yes, um, everyone loves Dale. Um, I like him because he reminds me a lot of my dad. Um, like when we were when we were growing up, he was just very conspiratorial, and like I think I got that. There was one time I had like a freak out because I thought an EMP hit our apartment when I was living in South Texas. What? Um, yeah, dude, I thought that like an EMP one. I saw, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story real quick. So <laughs> there was a moment where, um, I guess just that whole street that we lived on, all the power went out. It was night outside and I was playing this video game and I had to, I was, I think it was the day it released or whatever. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll pop it back on and I'll, I'll continue playing or whatever. But it happened three times. I was like, what the fuck? And then that third time it went off and I like looked out the window and it was pitch black outside. That was like, Oh shit. And then I remembered in the back of my head that I was like scrolling through Facebook and Facebook has a hell of a thing. Um, it creates these like thought bubbles. And then I get like these uh, conservative, like end of the world type articles and shit like that. And, um, I was like, I just like connected and then I started freaking out and I like looked at my sister. I was like, get on your shoes now. Like (laughs) (laughs) the end of the world is happening now. We are living it. Uh, I had to calm myself down. It was all my sisters were like, dude, chill out. And How like, old were you? Dude, it was probably a year and a half ago. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- it just reminds me of that because our dad was like really conspiratorial growing uh, up. And I was like, oh my God, I just like had to shake that stuff off. But Dale Gribble, uh, he's, you know, exactly that. So I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I could totally. Yeah, I definitely get that. And, you know, um, I was going to mention this. I wasn't really sure at what point to mention it, but I didn't grow up watching King of the Hill. Like, I just watched it recently. I see. I see. What about you? Um, So when we were growing up, we didn't have cable at all. So we watched, you know, public, you know, whatever you can get on the bunny ears or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it always came on my 27. Uh, it was just channels 27 or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I never watched it regularly. Uh, but, you know, if I was home and we were, you know, eating dinner or something, you know, we, we'd pop it on. And I, I always enjoyed it enough to watch it if it was on. I wouldn't mind if it was on. Uh, but I would never go out of my way to, you know, watch it myself, I guess. I mean, that's a thing with you know um schedule programming so yeah <laughs> but nonetheless 
Yeah, so I I guess I saw episodes here and there as a kid, but never really got it, never really understood it. Mm-hmm. And then just people I was friends with, I would catch episodes here and there. And then one day, um, my boyfriend, Daniel, he was watching an episode and it was just super funny to me. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one it was. I want to say it had to do with Peggy being like a substitute Spanish teacher and like she is, <laughs> but she like gets this, um, I don't know, like famous Mexican star to come. Oh, okay. And then she like goes back to Mexico with him to take care of his kids or something. Do you oh remember that episode? No, I, I don't. I don't know. It's really funny and wild. Um, and I think that's what I watched. And I was like, okay, maybe this show, I need to give it a shot. And so I did like a run through last year during COVID when there was nothing else to watch. Mm-hmm. And then right. every so often now I go back and watch episodes here and there. But I, I feel like I want to watch that episode. Yeah, it's is a that funny the one, one where she start? You, you said sub, start substituting. I don't. I didn't mean to say that's where she starts. It's it's oh. just one where she. Oh, is currently. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. I remember. I think maybe it's in that episode or when she starts that. Like, because I think that's like an arc in the show, maybe uh, where she's like becoming a substitute. Yeah, teacher. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in one of those episodes, I just, I think of this Peggy Hill quote on occasion. I, actually, last, in the last couple of days, I've, I've thought of it. Uh, she's just like, she's like learning it. She just, she pronounces it, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> like That's pardon what or whatever. Is with like all of it though. It's so funny. Um, Peggy Hill. Oh, love it. I would say that Peggy Hill, Peggy Hill is another favorite of mine. I'd say. She's, I like, I'm, it's hard because they're all there so are, funny. Yeah. Agree. In their own ways, like I would say, after Bobby Boomhauer is one of my favorites. Oh, I just yeah. like sometimes like you can catch what he's saying and you understand it, and that's really funny. Or like I don't know if you've ever watched the show with subtitles and it like tells you what he's saying, and <laughs> it's just funny to learn what he was saying. Um, I think actually in that episode that we watched, we watched a few episodes before doing this show. I think um, one of the ones we watched was. Um, the f- where they're firefighters oh, they yes. want to be that volunteer firefighters so funny that one was so funny uh i we i think it was like i don't know when we watched it it was like a week or so ago but i, I went over to shannon's and it was uh we watched i think two or three episodes yeah we just looked up like the top king of the hill episodes and that was number one and i was like i don't think i've ever seen this one before i think you hadn't seen it before either. i think i'd seen it but i just I don't know. It's been vague, a little while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so funny. It's like framed like um, they're being interrogated and like recounting the story of yeah. them becoming volunteer firefighters and just shit going crazy. And-, and the reason I bring that up too is because so they all have their own recollection of events because the firehouse ends up like burning down. They're all telling their own version of what happened. Well, in Boomhauer's version, Everybody else talks like Boomhauer, and Boomhauer talks like a regular person. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a good part. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, he and he just has some one-liners sometimes that are so funny. Like at one point, there's an episode where um, Luann starts trying to spend time with him, and mm-hmm. Hank calls him out, and he says something about how he ain't no Woody Allen or something like that. <laughs> Uh, um, he just has some of the best 
lines. Yeah. I love him. I think, yeah, I'm just going to have to echo that again. Like, I think that there is uh, each one of the characters there. Just, yeah. Um, I think my least favorite, the one that doesn't have enough substance for me, like definitely has like a story about Bill. Bill. Yeah, I just, I can't sympathize. I don't know what, it, it's like too pathetic, honestly, yeah. uh, which I mean, yeah, there's an- really, it's really hard for me to me. It's hard for me to dislike. It. I don't want to dislike it, but I do. Yeah. There's an episode. I don't know if you've seen it where like it rains a whole bunch and everyone has to go to like the school gym to stay safe or something. Oh, okay. And somehow Bill gets like put in charge because Hank has to like go off somewhere mm-hmm. and it's like Bill's first taste of power and everybody loves bill and it's like the i don't know it's like sag as you can tell it's like the first time he's ever really like been in that position before Mm -hmm. and like felt you know in control of something in charge of something right maybe that was the point he's just such a sad character and it's like cringy sometimes yeah cringy sad yeah yeah yeah, okay, yeah. Let's move um, on. But yeah, I mean that I think though that was a really good overview of all the characters mm-hmm. and kind of you know, just the general consensus on them and how people felt about them. So yeah. could we have that talk, David? Yeah, Anyways. <laughs> so um King of the Hill came on the Fox Network. And so before it premiered, Fox sent out screening copies of King of the Hill. Um Prior to its debut, which I just said, sorry, I'm being repetitive. So prior to its debut in early 1997, Fox sent out screening copies of the show. And whenever they sent out these copies of the show, they also um, included these freebies, which were a bag of pork rinds and a Weber barbecue grill. So they sent them pork rinds, a grill, and King of the Hill. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome like? I, um, I hate pork rinds but I would Me love too. to get a barbecue grill with the script or screening coffee or whatever yeah I'm just like that's so Texan I feel like there's something about knowing your audience there I feel like so um, <laughs> I think you know whenever I, let me back up a second I was shocked at how much information is out there about King of the Hill. How many people have looked at different aspects of the show mm-hmm. and studied it? Like, there's academic article after academic article about this show. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people who did their you know, thesis over it. You know, yeah, and there's school. it's yeah, there's just so many different angles that you can look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely i. There's somewhere in here you mention it being not about the characters themselves, but like uh, societal, um, like cliches or like that one episode we were talking about volunteer firefighters. Like it gave like an inside look on like what volunteer firefighters deal with or um, like with one of my favorite episodes where Bobby gets, uh, he's like, that's my purse. I don't know you. Yeah. He, he uh, goes to those like self-defense classes. And yeah. It just has like societal um, uh, generalities, I guess. I don't know. Like just things in society. It's less about the characters themselves. They're, they are a part of it and they inject their like personalities into it, but it's less so about them, but more the, you know, I think there's like an episode or something about, you know, Texas, I, 
it definitely stood out to me, like where they were doing something about Texas football or whatever, high school football. So nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, kind of to go off what you're saying, the characters have, um, kind of a perceived stereotype, but then they all kind of twist that in a way. Like, um, yeah, good point. Uh, like with Dale, you know, he's this conspiracist that believes all these wacky wild things and I don't know, whatever. And I don't want to say that can't make you a good father, but like on the other side of it, you just see him care so much about his son. Like, Mm -hmm. like the alien stuff isn't even like, I think at one point he thinks that Joseph is part alien and that's like how he was born and isn't share his DNA, but like, he still just loves his son so much. I I know. It's weird. And it's so apparent. It's not his and like I like Joseph as a character. He's he's kinda of funny. Yeah, he, he gets a, a good... whenever he gets that like uh mustache, like where that barely even mustache <laughs> like, fuzz or whatever. <laughs> I I like him and Bobby like in a few yeah. episodes. I think the that's the start of the um where he goes, Bobby goes to self-defense, like he goes yeah. to Connie's house or whatever. Yeah, now I'm thinking of like a lot of other characters, but I'll let you continue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of that comes from um, when you look at all of the research that's done on the show, what you find is like the show itself is just so detailed and well-researched and knows its audience and includes these like minuscule details that add to just the whole humor of it and um you know a lot of people talk about how that's indicative of mike judge and greg daniel's previous work um like how mike judge i don't know if you've ever seen some of these movies but he did office space idiocracy extract mm-hmm. have you ever seen any of those i watched idiocracy a long time ago mm-hmm. um extract never oh, that's but funny. one of my favorites is office space i love yeah office space. it's so fucking hilarious i <laughs> just like the storyline for his character just like not giving a shit about work anymore and it just like I wish I could be hypnotized to do that and still be able to live. It's just <laughs> but, so relatable. Yeah, like, and I think that King of the Hill is definitely reflective of that same relatability. Um, and then, of course, like we mentioned a second ago, um, Greg Daniels did The Office. Like, And when we're talking about The Office, we mean the American version um, with, what's his face? Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Um, uh, Steve Crow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so he is sort of one of the ones who comes up with like the gut punchingly funny p- characters that are in the show. So, um, and like balances it. So you have Hank who can be like super funny, but then he's also super compassionate and reasonable and is like the wise father figure of the show and not just to Bobby but you see it in the way that like he cares about his friends too and um yeah it it, whenever you look at how the characters develop just an appreciation for the writers of the show and the creators I think is necessary yeah I'm looking here at what you wrote down and I see that Greg Daniels came up with Dale Luann 
and then cotton. I I really enjoy cotton. <laughs> Hank's daddy. He's just a. Uh, you like fun- cotton? Yeah. I, um, let me get to my point real quick. But uh, like, uh, and then I'll go off on why I like cotton. But um, they those characters definitely seem to have a different like flavor than all the others. I I've, I don't know. In my opinion, they're just like more outlandish. I guess. That is true. Like, they definitely create, like, that balance, like, where you have, like, Hank and kind of Peggy. I feel like Peggy kind of crosses the line sometimes, but... What do you mean? Oh, crosses that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she can. She has some flavor. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know definitely. She has other, flavors of both, I see. Yeah. She does day, get really spicy, yeah. You know what? The other day my boss said, I don't like spicy food, but I like spicy people. And uh, it just like, made me think of something like that's something Peggy Hill would say. Like, <laughs> that is a good one. She, good Peggy one. Hill probably likes spicy food, though, let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, so there's, I think, too, where we're going with all of this with the creators. It's just the relatability comes from the show being reflective of real life and, um, I don't know if David and I have even talked about this before, but we're from Texas, so we definitely identify and appreciate that sense of uh, that Texas vibe. It's very, yeah, it's very, vibe. it's a very unspoken thing. It's in you know, it's in pop culture, and I feel like some um, pop culture, you know, definitely or Americana or whatever, everywhere. Just I feel like they kind of get it right. A lot of the time, um, yeah, it's, like yeah, it's yeah, it's country. Some parts definitely. I mean, you you definitely get the blue areas. Like yeah, we we're from North Texas. Um, you know, South Texas has its own flavor. Texas is just so big. It's like it kind of feels like the United States in a way. Like um, you just have these. Where we're from in North Texas is a very hilly, it's hilly country, um, a lot of trees. Uh, but you know, obviously now, like we're, we got the Metroplex, so now it's yeah. a concrete jungle, but, um, you still, you know, get that here and there. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because Texas is really big. So I, I kind of wanted to bring that up because, um, while you might be able to point to Texas on a map, it's like, what's going on? Like every, a sort of division of Texas is its own unique culture is kind of like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mike Judge, um, he said that the series main characters were inspired because um, Mike Judge, I believe he's from Texas. If he's not from Texas, he definitely lived and or still lives here. Oh, I see. Um, and so a lot of the characters in King of the Hill, they were inspired by his neighbors when he lived Um in the Dallas suburb of Richardson. So David and I are familiar with Richardson. Um, one of our friends actually just got a job um, in Richardson. Hmm. So the guy at that pool party we went to yesterday was telling, he said he grew up in Richardson and came back. Yeah. Like, oh, crazy. Um, so sorry. Uh, yeah. So Richardson. Um, and then he also said it was also um, influenced by Garland. Um, which if you've ever seen Zombieland, that starts out in Garland. Do you I remember hope that? that? Is right, yeah. Um, and then the Houston area, Humble. Um, I might be saying that wrong actually. No, you, you got it. No, I don't know. I've heard Humboldt. people talk about this place before, and I'm I might be saying that wrong. I'm sorry, Humble, if that's not how you say it. Um, but 
people from those places also influenced him in creating some of the um, characters and plot scenarios and situations. Um, the background topography and evident distances from Dallas, the Gulf Coast, the Panhandle, um, and the Texas-Mexico border, as well as a telltale square drawn on a background map in the second-to-last episode indicate that Arlen, where King of the Hill takes place, mm-hmm. that city, um, so apparently based on all these lines on this map, that was in an episode, mm-hmm. um, so Arlen like, uh-huh. is almost certainly um, a small town in southeast central Texas. Now, I watched a lot of episodes in preparation for us to do this episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I just am not sure because I watch an episode and they go to Dallas and it doesn't seem to take that long. And they go to Arlington and it doesn't seem to take that long. I have always thought ever since I've watched the show that, yeah, it was like Arlington area. Um, like like Arlington. A, a little bit Arlington. right outside of the Metroplex where it's kind of suburbs. Like, you know. Yeah. Suburbs area. Like it's it was saying, you know. So I can't recall the episode where there's this map and Arlen exists, which I... Arlen is a fictional town. We're just estimating where it would be if it were real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't really think... I think it's really just the essence of Texas in a place. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, no. Cool. Um, that was a I, lot I, of talking to say that. Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> the, uh, I, I think I go along with that. I, I think, yeah, I, I pictured it more in North Texas rather than Central, like, Waco, I guess, area. Yeah. Or like College Station or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure if you're watching King of the Hill in Texas, you probably just think of it as your own town because you relate to it so much. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, but yeah. So um, I, I read that King of the Hill was Mike Judge's like second big success in animation following Beavis and Butthead. I didn't realize that. Like, I guess oh, okay. I thought he had done more animation. Um, besides that, but, um, and maybe he had, and this was just the second thing that really took off. Oh, okay. Can I be honest with you, Shannon? Yeah. I don't like Beavis and Butthead. You know, I, I don't it. really know if I've ever, like, watched it. And, you know, I think of it as, like, really grungy MTV. Yeah. Definitely, and I just, not my, not my style. I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely popular. Like, it's popular enough to be... I think we could probably do an episode on that one as well if we wanted to, but I just uh, definitely not not my flavor. Yeah, I, it seems like so there was like Beavis and Butthead and Daria. It seems like there was just like this genre that was animated television geared towards angsty teens. Maybe they're the only That's ones like allowed to watch TV late at night. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> I never. Really... That's how Adult Swim came to be. Yeah, I mean, I I never really found like those cartoon teen angsty shows very funny, like yeah, or relatable. So I don't know. I've never watched. Like I said, I can't really criticize Beavis and Butthead. I've never really watched it. Um, mm, I see. I don't know if I'd find it funny now or not. Yeah. And so I guess it's funny that you say that you aren't a huge Beavis and Butthead person, um, because it's like. For him, that 
was like a show where no one was portrayed positively um, for Mike Judge. And he kind of looked at King of the Hill as being a counterpoint or opposite of that, where it's like the characters in King of the Hill were more leave it to beaver-esque, where you love these characters in spite of like their wacky flaws. And so, um, yeah, I think... Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I think about TV shows and this still occurs, right? Where mm-hmm. you either have these shows where nobody wants to be there and nobody's a likable character or you have these other shows where uh, uh, the characters actually have kind of like a fun dynamic with each other. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, <laughs> that's speaking very broadly, but I'm thinking like. Bob's Burgers is definitely reflective of King of the Hill. And oh, yeah, very beloved. <laughs> each character, I, I'm specifying, yeah, the characters are very beloved. Like, they're each their own, I guess. Yeah, um, and I don't know if I've seen enough of either show to make this sort of comparison, but I would think that Beavis and Butthead, it's more... Um, a counterpoint today to that might be, or not a counterpoint, but something that's similar to it might be um, Rick and Morty, maybe, where it's like you have all these characters who kind of, you know, just don't seem to really want to be there. But it's like, oh, okay, good point. You know what I mean? Good like point. neither show's necessarily bad. It's oh, a, a, a parallel I never really drew. I never really thought of Beavis and Butthead and Rick and Morty in the same thought. The dynamics um, of the characters are it, like... Yeah, it's funny Funny you say that. Like, if the characters, I don't know, are having a good time, I guess, or not... I don't, don't want to say being assholes, because that's not really what I mean, but... Um, I don't know. That's a, that's an odd one. You got the gears turning on that. Yeah, so I just think that it's interesting that my judge kind of had that awareness... Um, of the show and what he was doing with it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to throw this out there too. Um, I don't know people who are familiar with Beavis and Butthead. And if you're also familiar with King of the Hill, you probably already know this, but um, for whatever reason in the article, they call him Bobby's not so bright classmate. I would disagree with that. Stuart Dooley. He is a fun character. He always has the one liners. Is that the kid? He's uh blonde and he has a shaved sides. Or he the- has, I think he has red hair, right? Oh, oh, the curly haired kid. No, he doesn't have curly hair. It's like, um, yeah, please pull. I think it up. is parted like you're saying, like it's styled like you're saying, but I think that kind of like a rat tail. Maybe I'm wrong about it being red. I don't think I am. No, yeah, it's like that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Okay. I was thinking of uh, the, oh, okay. Here we go. Clark Peters. This is the kid that I was talking about. The kid who's got the shaved sides and then kind of looks uh, like a rat tail. That's who I were at. <laughs> Bobby, he kicks in the balls for the first time. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Okay. But nonetheless. (laughs) No, but so Stuart Dooley, we looked him up as well. And if you remember him, he's the kid with the red hair. Um, And it's kind of parted. Makes it kind of look like he has bangs. I don't know. Anyways, Google Stuart Dooley. You'll figure out who he is. And he, his character is actually based on Butthead from Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead. Oh, yeah, I can get that. Um, But I think that Stuart has sometimes some of the best one-liners like there's an episode where um i don't remember what they call it but it's like you go to school and the girls pin 
flowers or something to the boys like that they think are cute like they pin something to them and bobby like gets all of these pins because i don't know what he's done to be um appealing to all the little girls but Mm -hmm. they're all like pinning their flowers on him while joseph's like oh man i really want one from that girl and bobby's like well to get her attention you know you need to already have one and so bobby's goes and gives joseph one Aww. of his pins and like pins it on him and then it cuts to Stuart dooley and he's like that was brave <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> bobby's so g- just genuinely nice too so it's like oh that's so sweet um <laughs> Stuart, that's probably one of my favorite dooley lines <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the King of the Hill will genuinely make me laugh out loud. At, at yeah, moment, so it's just good stuff. And that's the thing too; it's not even necessarily like they'll have the you know most outrageous plot lines, but it's for me, it's usually still just those one-liners that like make me cackle, like mm-hmm. laugh out loud. I think that's like a lot. Of- I, I, I left like that in a lot of TV shows. Like people would just say, oh, I think I'm just thinking of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right yes. Now. Just thinking of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm thinking, I think it's in the first episode. He talks about his pants tint and <laughs> like when, you know, you're sitting down. I, I don't know. Uh, if everybody experiences this, but like when you're sitting down, there's like a pants tent or just like loose back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it yes, looks yes, like yes. you have like a boner or something. I know what you're like, talking about. Yeah. Oh my god, that is like so relatable. And I, anyways, I think I I kind of strayed away from what we were getting at. No, but I totally get that because quick snips or whatever. Like I just uh, yeah, it's like it. me and a friend were just talking about. We have both just randomly watched the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, the midriff one, where it's oh, the girl <laughs> workaholics, and she just wears like a shirt that's too small, and just every I think everything Larry David says to her could be classified as like a one liner, like. <laughs> He has some of the best ones. Definitely. Um, definitely. Anyways, so, um, and it, you know what? I don't think I put this in here. Maybe I do near the end, but we could talk about it now because it's so funny you bring that up because mm-hmm. um, I think it's the very first episode of King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. If it's not the very first one, it's definitely an early episode of King of the Hill and the opener for it. Mm-hmm. Like some of the episodes, you know, have like a little opener that's not necessarily related to whatever's after the right. theme song, mm-hmm. um, which I like. I like that. I I don't know if there's a lot of shows that do that. Like I know The Office does that. Like a lot of my judges shows do that. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally switch up an intro. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I I but anyways, I like that. I think it's cute. Um. And so anyways, at the beginning of this particular episode, they're like, it's all the guys. And they're standing in Hank's garage and um, Hank's working on his car. And I think it's Boomhauer. So you can like barely understand him. But he asks them if they caught the new episode of Seinfeld. And they, yeah, they all start talking about it. And um, I don't know. It's funny because I think I did read in an article too. You know, it was funny that that's kind of one of the first things that happens on the show because like everybody watches Seinfeld everybody knows Seinfeld everybody gets Seinfeld Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter your political background your values like everybody knows of Seinfeld yeah (laughs) not Jerry Springer Jesus not Jerry Seinfeld and I think 
you know, it is just so funny because you have this town. It's in Texas. It's in the South. You have maybe this expectation, but then like you see these guys just talking about Seinfeld and you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. maybe I can't identify with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know if that's Seinfeld's uh, doing. Definitely partly Seinfeld's doing, but I think just like, because yeah. I'm thinking what comes to mind for me is uh, I love Always Sunny as well. And yeah. there's a scene there. It's one of one, a famous episode of Seinfeld where they uh, like make a bet to see who can go the longest without getting off. And uh, <laughs> um, it's like Dennis and Mac are both Jerry and uh, Charlie's. <laughs> what's his name? Um, it's not coming to mind. He's my f- George. Cra- oh, George. George. I love George so much. And then he's like Elaine or whatever. And so it's just I don't know if that's the charm of of uh, you know Larry David or yeah. you know. Seinfeld, Seinfeld is so special. I love it. I think I may go back and rewatch it. I'm just talking about it today, but nonetheless. Yeah, but I think too, it's like it's weird because I feel like King of the Hill does that, but they it's like Texas. It's like Seinfeld, but Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know just the different levels on which people can relate to it. it it makes the show really special. And like I was saying, there it is just like so much research that people have approached the show from so many different angles. In 2007, I wanted to talk about this. Television Week published a list of programs with um, the most engaged male viewers. Um, and this was based on data that they collected um, in 2006. So it said that male viewers of King of the Hill reportedly had a program engagement level eight point eight points higher than female viewers of the show did. Aside from King of the Hill's unique satiric appeal, the ability to appeal to men as well as younger viewers is one of the key characteristics that make animated sitcoms potentially valuable properties. Um, and that's kind of what this the point this researcher was making. But I think just beyond looking at it as like property, but like it it's like an activity so okay so i just can't think of a lot of shows that like my boyfriend and i enjoy watching together just for kicks Mm -hmm. but king of the hill is one that i know i can always go to you know i see and like if someone's coming over like i know i can just put king of the hill on you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they enjoy it or whatever yeah, and um, it's interesting. I just thought it was interesting that men were more engaged with it. Like, I can definitely get that. Like, obviously, most of the main characters are men, uh-huh. um, which I think was also interesting for, like, I don't know, the time of the show and it being animated. Um, I'd love to look at more studies on, like, uh-huh. how... There's a point related to this that I'll get into uh, whenever... We do our like closing statements, uh, but yeah, no, I, I see exactly this point. It's uh, King of the Hill is. It, I I was like I said, I never was really like a regular watcher of it, but I remember my sisters. I have four sisters. I remember at, you know three of them at least being enthralled with it, and you know, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I I probably liked it just as much as they did, but you know, I see. I it's funny that 
And it's funny. They could collect that data. Kind of crazy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure it's like, what's that? Nelson was really big. Remember that? And that's how Nissan, Nelson. There's some company. Is it that you can like. They like would approach people and like put their stuff right. like into people. You're, you're the ones who get monitored. To, yeah. To and they pick watch. new stuff or, or, you know, whatever. So I'm sure it had, it was something like that. But, um, it's just interesting because, like, it's funny. Like, I often wonder, like, who the audience is, but really it's just like, they're just trying to get anyone to watch a show, right? But it's funny because I think there's just so many moments where women are empowered and, you know... Luann episodes, Peggy episodes. Those, I just like thinking of those as yeah, well. Yeah, um, you know, certain um, stereotypes are challenged. Like Bobby is, you know, not the stereotypical little cowboy kid you know um and so it, it's just interesting to me that that appealed to men and i mean this is you know 10 plus years ago um and i think that speaks to again just how clever okay can i be additive in this yeah i think uh one of the reasons that i really enjoyed bobby was exactly what you just said that like he wasn't the typical like cowboy like what you would think texas cliche would be yeah um i i have four sisters like i said i have no brothers so mm-hmm. like i grew up in a you know house full of uh you know estrogen <laughs> um but you know but uh, you know i loved it i love every bit of it uh but I really enjoyed Bobby because he kind of challenged those. I was thinking um, when you were talking just a second ago about that one of my favorite episodes. Whenever he you know goes that self defense class, yeah, <laughs> like, like his purse. Like I was like, yeah, I like Bobby. I like it. Just the I would definitely. Uh, I maybe I I just definitely saw my. I'm I'm a little more heavier set, and Bobby was just like yeah. kind of have my sense of humor. So I like that his character kind of did things of this nature because it, it related i personally related more to him than and then i just saw myself in that situation because like my not necessarily my mom and dad but my like my grandparents are that cliche cowboy and yeah like and i'm thinking like that relationship that maybe bobby has with hank or even his mom to some degree but i see that relationship with me and my grandparents sometimes so. but you know what's so funny is um you know, it's like that. But then when you think about, uh, that's what I was going to say, because you were saying your grandparents, you know, they're kind of more the traditional country. Cotton kind of is too. But then Cotton, like, loves Bobby unconditionally. Like, oh, yeah, Bo- right. uh, like Cotton is such a jerk to Hank. And oh, I sure is. I hate Cotton episodes. Like, I don't really Oh, that is something them. I forgot. I forgot to um, talk about that earlier. They... I just can't stand them. Um, After I mentioned that earlier, uh, I guess I'll go into it now since I didn't go yeah. into it earlier. Um, I I like cotton. When I said that originally, I like cotton as in that I like not the way he treats Hank because that is pretty like that's a little concerning. Like I'm sure they don't have. I think it goes into yeah, a couple of cotton episodes. Like they just get into some heavy shit, like dad and father relationship bad you know situational stuff but uh i guess i like more of the humor i thought about it afterwards i was or during since then and um since the beginning of the podcast and i was just like i like i like the humor that he admits like it doesn't like has that 
I don't give a fuck attitude. Like I, I've seen shit and like, I don't have time for anything else. And I, I kind of see that in Tanya a little bit after she went into the army. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, um, I, I like him in that nature, but yeah, the, I guess now thinking uh, the full character character as a whole, uh, maybe not that, you know, Hank side, but yeah. Yeah. But it, it, but then it is just still funny, like how he treats Hank, but then he loves Bobby. Who's like, like Hank should be everything that Cotton wanted, but, and Bobby is just like this wacky little kid and Cotton just like loves Bobby unconditionally and gives him money and gives him gifts. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever noticed that like in episodes so. here and there, but Cotton like really actually loves Bobby a lot. And it's just a funny contrast. Cause I do think like, Like, I don't personally really want kids right now, but I think something that you see as you get older, um, you know, I I didn't get to see this often, but because you kind of have to have this level of awareness in the way that, like, your parents interact with your grandparents, and it's like... You, you know, as a kid, like you, it comes off as like your grandma, like loves you more in a way. Cause it's like, ah, okay. they, you yeah, don't fair. get in trouble with them. They, and it's like, you we know, were spoiled. at we were the spoiled end of up. the day, like your parents love you more, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always necessarily feel that way when you're a little kid. And it's just funny to think about like, yeah, yeah. You're, that's funny. You say that like, you got the gears turning again. Like I'll say, yeah. Yeah, and I, I and I again, I think that's part of what makes this show so relatable is people get that like Cotton is like an outrageous character, but so Cotton is like a relatable character and he's really outrageous, but I do think that, you know, we know people kind of like that, you know, like maybe not very well, but mm-hmm. living in Texas, you encounter people like that. Really? And there are a lot <laughs> and but at the same time, like, you understand, like, he, Cotton was in a war, like, you kind of get that reminder of, like, you have to be not ex- accepting, because I think to an extent, like, Cotton sometimes crosses lines, especially with Hank in ways that Would you say be. coexist? Yeah, like, coexist, but also just, like, understand, you know, have a- empathy. I see. That's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, so anyways, on to kind of a brighter side, a fun fact about the show that um, a podcast I actually listened to that I believe is linked in the show notes. If not, it will be. It was a really cute podcast. So I might, might even still be on. Um, but the guy was going through all of the episodes of King of the Hill and watching them all and like oh, talking really? about them all. Kind of like The Office Ladies, but this was just some guy oh, doing I've it for King of the Hill. Of the uh, office they just, ladies they just watch the tv show and recount it yeah yeah and it, oh, i just sounds like a fun podcast idea. yeah look up king of the hill um i do that with i started doing that with shows now i found like a bob's burgers one. Oh hell yeah yeah it's super fun i mean it's random people talking about the show but they're making a podcast they really like it and this guy did a really great job i'm so sorry i don't have your name on hand um but like i said we'll link your podcast in the show notes definitely um but he had the, his friend on and they were so funny um they were talking about uh i listened to them talk about the first episode i'm trying to remember what it was they said something so funny that oh um but anyways in this podcast the guys pointed out the show's first and the last line of um the episode so the first word and the last word of the show ever were both yep oh the yeah when they're standing around yep 
Yep. <laughs> and it's so funny because, man, how many times have we all just been sitting around on like Alwatos and you know? Uh, yeah, I think this can apply to anybody, really. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I don't know. At our friend's house specifically, we'll just be like, it's. You know, you have good friends whenever you can just sit in silence, and uh, it's kind of I think of. The four, you know, male yeah. neighbors. Yeah. It's like you can just sit in silence and just be together. That's funny. That's funny. I just kind of pulled that out. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know. It's like you're looking at your phone or whatever and you look up. Maybe you make eye contact with someone and you're like, yep. And then you just like go back to it. Like that's just, I don't know if that's a Southern thing, a Texas thing. I just know that it's real. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that the other day I was recording um, the D&D podcast with Watto, Watto, um, and uh, we were just, you know, bullshitting, hanging out, and then like had great, great, he's, you know, he's a great conversationalist just like you and like, but (laughs) with... I don't remember what like initiated it, but we both started looking at our phones. Like we went silent for a little bit, and then like picked it like looked at our phones <laughs> and like picked it right back up. And it's like, yep, <laughs> that's so, so funny. Um, so I think I might have remembered um, the anecdote I was trying to tell you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. On this podcast, um, with the guy, which I, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm not looking up your name. I feel so bad because this cracked me up. I was literally crying. So, um, they also pointed out, um, that, and I've, I tried to go back and see if I could catch this. And I, I don't know if I fully agree, but I just thought this was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, but he was saying it seems like uh, John Redcorn, who we didn't mention earlier. So yeah. um, I do kind of want to take this moment to bring him up because he's an interesting character. Okay. He is um, a Native American character. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he brings a lot to the table he's really interesting yeah i think so i <laughs> um, I, I, li- I like john redcorn and that i guess arc with dale and his wife or whatever it's like weird yeah, it's a weird so nancy hooks up with john redcorn everyone knows there's like an episode that's really timeless where peggy finds out oh, and dale can't my... accept it or something and well or maybe i'm thinking a different one Oh, maybe she like tries to tell Dale, but he like just doesn't. Yeah, just doesn't accept it. Get it, and mm-hmm. so he doesn't, you know, know. Um, but yeah, so and that's just kind of a running theme is that Nancy Dale's wife hooks up with John Redcorn. Um, but so like on the podcast, <laughs> they were saying that. Um, it seems that John Redcorn seems to show up whenever you say his name. Um, and I was, go ahead. I know what you're talking about now. I know which episode you're talking about. Oh, I wasn't even like going to talk about a specific episode. Oh, oh. I was just going to talk about this joke on the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, was there one that you're thinking of? No, I'm of? just like thinking it. Like, I, I noticed that, like, when they do say his you name, he does, like, that? like, he does pop up whenever they he say does. his name because okay. he has a very distinct name. I like the name. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I know that too, but I just, um, I didn't really notice him just pop up like in episodes I've watched, but I need to keep a closer eye on that. I think. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, but anyways, so he says that he's like, you say his name and he shows up. And the, uh, this other guy he has in the podcast goes, it's like, 
<laughs> Beetlejuice, but he's gonna cuck your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I know Beetlejuice. I've never seen Beetlejuice, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say his name, say his name three first. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, I heard that joke. <laughs> That's and funny. I thought that was the funniest shit. I probably said it wrong. Go listen to their podcast. They probably say it better than I do. That is funny though. From its beginning, it was clear that King of the Hill was establishing. Um, Texans as authentic, this place that appealed to, you know, our culture, Tex-Mex, you know, all these different things while also trying to appeal to non-Texans. Um, and I think that's something, especially as Texans, that I appreciate about the show yeah. is how carefully they walk the line of like, mockery and like satire and humor and mm-hmm. how like i i've never been offended by the show me either. me either um and so i just think they do such a great job like there's an episode um where peggy enters like it's a pageant contest for older women mm-hmm. have you seen this one i don't think so i just think like it's so funny because you have all these like country bumpkins, but then it's like they're really smart and it's just like I'm a doctor. Like, oh. I don't know. Just like it's just so funny, like what they do, like those like subtleties. That- yeah, I was about to say, I think that I, I really enjoy the show. Yeah, because it kind of, uh, like you said before, just plays that line, but I was like, it doesn't, it, breaks that stereotype of Texans. Yeah. uh, And and it's nice because that's people. I lived in Colorado for a little while and I'm sure people who have lived in Texas and then moved off somewhere else has definitely experienced the experience that if you go to any other state, um, they're just like, Oh, Texas. They get the, you know, the pop culture, like I was talking earlier, they get the real high points of, uh, the cowboys and, and, you know, shit like that. And, um, it's like we were saying earlier, it's like Texas, just like America is very varied and one geography and then two, it's people and King of the Hill broke that stereotype. I feel, um, you know, we, you had, you know, but was Khan and his family, they're uh, Vietnamese? La- Lao- Laos. Laos. Uh, from Laos, yeah. I see. Laotian. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up the podcast, I like to run through some of the, the side characters that we really didn't talk about. But yeah, no, it, it what to my point, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I like King of the Hill a lot because it does, it shows what we see here as Texans, like in Texas, uh, we don't necessarily see it as like, Oh, we're all cowboys, you know, we're, you know, yeah, long little dog here, whatever the hell. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, King of the Hill, it, it, I think one, it switches it up because one, it's placed in a suburb and then two, it's just, uh, you know, has these, your, yeah, like you look at Boomhauer and you expect 
Walker, Texas Ranger, which I believe at the very like the in the season series finale of this show, I believe it it might be sooner you learn that Boomhauer is like a Texas Ranger. Oh really? <laughs> oh, I never knew that. Um, or something like that. And but then I don't know. You also see him like guess a Firebird. I just I got a different vibe from him. Yeah, like it, it, and you know he's always hooking up with all the women and mm-hmm. like um I don't know he's. He's a, he's just such a great character. Like that. Seems... I feel like I feel like a lot of each character challenges the Texas stereotypes in its own. Yes, way. Yeah. exactly, precisely. And, and I mean, let's and let's think about that real quick. So, okay. sorry, I like that idea because, like, so you got Bill. That's very traditional. I almost feel. Like. Uh, you know, I I say what we divorce divorce just depressed. I think that's his. I don't. I don't want to say war. that's breaking. I don't want to say that that's breaking a stereotype of Texas culture. But uh, but well, hang on. So he was okay. in the military. Um, you know, divorced. His life's kind of sad. But you know, it's funny because he's like a barber. Like, where does that come from? (laughs) He has a lot of jobs on the show. Yeah. Well, his main thing is, like, he's a barber. That gets brought up a lot. I think he shaved hair in the military. I think so. Oh, like a barber might shave hair? (laughs) Yeah, he was a barber in the military. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I don't know, you know, that's kind of an interesting sort of play on it. And, And then just the fact that, like, he occasionally... He's so open about how sad he is. Like, yeah, yeah, he's very open. You don't know a lot of men that like just are like or stereotypical men, mm-hmm. like from what you would think of that. Okay, so maybe not to Texas, but breaks a stereotype. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I almost think it is to Texas too. Like, cause oh, fair. You have those men who like dress and wife beaters, and you expect them to kind of be like nasty and gross. And yeah, yeah. Bill does that, but like he's kind and uh, yeah, very genuine. Good open and sad and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there's an episode where he like finds someone and then she like leaves him that episode always makes me sad um i don't watch a lot of bill episodes either yeah because i do make me i try to avoid sad. bill and cotton episodes but uh yeah let's think like bobby we talked sorry, about bobby yeah. earlier like with the gender yeah, yeah um, the gender dale, we talked about dale i wanted yeah. to bring that up that's why i liked your thought there mm-hmm. conspiratorial yeah. um but how are you were talking earlier about being that you know ladies yeah. man or you know driving the firebird and yeah. I, I was thinking uh like in that firehouse episode like he's tanning in the he's tanning in the firehouse and that's maybe one yeah. of the reasons that all that you know happened that's something i love about dale too is like he is an exterminator and he works so hard at exterminating, but when it comes to like doing anything else, he like avoids work. And that's so relatable to me. I'm just like same, mm-hmm. same Dale, right. same. Um, I think um, there's an episode, I think we watched it where he, um, and it might have even, I don't think it was Love Firehouse episode, but it could have been. But he's like working on Hank's truck and he like breaks. <laughs> oh, I vaguely, very vaguely, Do you but yeah. That? I don't know why I'm finding that so funny. I'm just saying he broke and struck. But it's yeah. just the way he reacts. Like, he just runs off. Like, I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of Peggy at the moment. Like, she breaks the oh, stereotypical housewife. Oh, definitely. Stereotype. Um, yeah. And um, I was trying to think of one for Luann. But, um. I mean, she is like, you know, a quote unquote bimbo. But, um. 
she i feel like maybe she breaks that stereotypical bimbo yeah, thing like because she, she does have an arc where she's like becomes very independent yeah and she does her manger babies have you ever seen any of those episodes oh, thanks oh so. my god manger babies just look that up it's hilarious um <laughs> like she's obsessed with these like puppet things um and there's an episode actually uh i don't know if it's the first one with the manger babies or not it might be and sh- so she like creates these like puppets like socks on her hands mm-hmm. and like and she calls it manger babies, but then the stories that she tells with the puppets, she tells them to all these kids, but they're like, she's like, they're a little bit too graphic. Yeah. And this isn't remember, real. Yeah. You do remember yeah, that? Do. Like, like little Timmy yeah. was drunk driving his car and ran over Tina and like, it was just like the craziest stories. Like, that's not what she said, but it was something wacky like right. that. Yeah. No, um, funny. Can you think of any more that really stand out? Um, I'm I'm thinking of like really like other than uh, the ones we've talked about before. I'm thinking like um, we went through and um, so we we've, we've Joseph, already Joseph's interesting. He yeah. Um, I'm not thinking of a cliche that he really breaks, but Connie, uh, have we? Did you? I mean, we mentioned the cons, but then there's Connie. Connie, I yeah. love that it's a Connie con. That makes Connie me con. Awesome oh, much. that's yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, you know, they want her to be like uh, really smart. Oh yeah, she breaks the. She um, definitely breaks that. She likes to play um her instrument. I recall that. Um, and it's not that she's not smart. It's just that she. Um, kind of defies the rules and challenges mm-hmm. them. Yeah, definitely. She doesn't want to be that. I guess I'm thinking because they give at least the cons, the parents, their like helicopter, definitely. And yeah, um, she's just trying to. I I wouldn't even say rebel because she just goes along with it most of the time. But um, yeah, no, she like challenges that. She doesn't want to be. That I, I guess I, I, I couldn't say because, like you said, she does like playing her instrument. She has the thing that she likes, but definitely challenges authority. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm trying to think of some other characters. So we talked about Cotton. Um, oh, uh, like we really didn't even mention like Hank's job. Like I'm thinking Strickland. Oh, Pokemon. yeah. Yeah. Um, like his boss that? his boss is really he's at least whenever i what i remember him like when i first saw the episodes or whatever that he was like the cliche boss with uh yeah uh you know do your work you know sales 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 but then there's a few episodes i remember watching throughout the whole series it's just like where he becomes like the really relatable and like yeah. humble caring boss um like he really cares for hank and his family it, so at certain times he doesn't show it like maybe that's like an arc of the episode where he does something bad and uh, at the end of the episode he kind of makes up with hank or you know does something you know really yeah humble. yeah something i've noticed with that particular character as i've watch the show again is mm-hmm. he gives as a boss he you know it has these weird control things all bosses do but he gives hank a lot of agency like Definitely. to do his job and he trusts hank like he knows that if he's gone hank has got it covered and i think there there's an episode that's so cute where hank's like a kid and they ask him what he's gonna be when he grows up and he's like i'm gonna sell propane and propane <laughs> accessories like that's funny. I love that. But yeah, I think, you know, in that way, his boss kind of does that. But um, 
you know, for Hank, it's his family and then it's his business, you know, where he works, his work ethic. And I think, can um, you, uh, like, I'm, I personally can't think of any, but can you think of any uh, stereotypes that Hank personally breaks? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was, where I was going. Since so I'd like, say Mank is the char- main character of the show. Yeah. And I feel like he's supposed to be this, like, traditional Texan. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like he sells propane, he's not working in an oil field sure. or like, um, you know, I, I he does wear his cowboy hat here and there. I've noted that mm-hmm. on occasion. I think he is definitely a. Actually, maybe I think he breaks the stereotype of because maybe he, with his relationship with Cotton, like he thinks of the very traditional father son, like. Um, I'm trying to find words best to describe it, but Hank breaks those traditional barriers, I guess, with Bobby more rather than like, I'm thinking of cliche, cliche, like dad stuff. Like, um, or like he does like, I'm sure in a couple episodes, like, let's go toss the football around son. But like, I don't know. I, I think Hank and Bobby communicate and they break that dad son stereotype. Um, like yeah. Really set in stone where there's not a lot of emotion shown between father and son. I, I think maybe I have that a little. It's, you know, less so now, but, um, I, I see the relationship that Bobby and Hank have and I feel them both challenging that norm. And you know what? Now that you say that, um, there's an ep, episode where we learned that um it took them a long time to get pregnant with bobby like it took a long time they didn't Mm. think that they didn't know if they were going to be able to do that i think it also partially becomes a running joke about something about frank's urethra or hank's urethra or something Uh, like that um but i think i remember that episode (laughs) where he's like goes to the doctors and they tell him that it's him he's the problem or whatever yeah but they knew they wanted kids so badly and so then they got bobby and like um so you know that's hank's boy and they're I don't know if it's the first or second episode, but I love this because it seems like every cartoon show I watch and I love has an episode where for whatever reason, like a social worker has to get involved and show up and um, that happens on King of the Hill and um, the co the social worker is like telling Hank that he has to like stop yelling at Bobby and like learn to communicate and like I don't even remember how it all gets started but it's like hank is so furious with the social worker because all he wants to do is like help bobby and like you know he just loves that kid so much no matter what he does and bobby does a lot of wacky things he does he does i think joseph kind of yeah (laughs) which is funny when you think about it like because they and they have a couple episodes where like you'll see um hank and joseph like tossing a football like it's almost like joseph's more like hank and bobby's more like tail (laughs) oh that's a good point that's a great point yeah no i never really noticed that like i think hank is compared with dale his actual well not actual dad but um because john john redcorn is but um like is definitely more of a the, the typical father son relationship with yeah. Joseph and Hank rather than Bobby and Hank. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, That's fun. But I still think you know, 
Um, to kind of circle back to how this started, it's like mm-hmm. Hank is always, maybe not always at first, but at least at in the end of an episode, depending on what's going on, he is willing to listen and learn from the other perspective. So there's an episode that I love. It's one of my favorites. It's where Peggy or well, so Strickland, Mr. Strickland hires this new woman to be their like secretary or something. And Peggy befriends her. And then it turns out this woman is like a prostitute or, um, that's not the best word to use, I guess. Not a prostitute. Sex worker. Uh, sex worker. There we go. Um, who is from Oklahoma. And, um, you know, they don't realize that at first. And then Hank accidentally kind of like pimps her out, which probably isn't the right way to say that either. Um, but he like wants her to start dating someone. So he introduces her to all these people he sells propane to. But then she just starts hooking up with them for money. Um oh. But then it's just so funny because then it all comes out and Hank learns like about her. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, he's really upset. But then he like takes a step back and is like, this was this woman who like, you know, I let stay here and she gave me money for staying here. And I don't know. It's Hank, just... Hank does challenge that that ignorance uh yes. cliche definitely like perfect um, way to put that yeah because I, I feel like there's that definitely close-minded cliche of texans so yes yes, mm-hmm. yes love that anyways so yeah. to go off of that and to kind of wrap up that conversation so actually in that episode that i was just talking about with uh the sex worker so mm-hmm. snoop dogg is actually a guest voice like oh, this really? show has the most random like guest voices so there was snoop dogg there was um willie nelson is in one a really funny one johnny depp chris rock chris rocks is really funny too um so many voices that's not even close to half of them um but the show i think you know that just goes goes to show how um much it resonated with so many different people and genres and that's yeah you know it's funny i i definitely just want to mention this briefly but yeah it's funny with the like all the guest stars you're mentioning hank of uh hank of the hill jesus uh, king of the hill um it does a really good job of like concealing i think a lot of uh animation does this really well like they conceal the identity of the voice actor like if it's somebody famous i guess yeah it's hard i think one that's just the nature of animation like you, that disassociation but um they do conceal it really well like like i wouldn't have guessed like a great example is like i never watched the hotel transylvania movies but like adam sandler is the main uh, voice actor for that oh. vampire character and i was like i would never yeah. fucking think that that was the case so nonetheless uh, but what what's funny about king of the hill is it kind of does like curb where like it has you know famous people and sometimes it has them as themselves or sometimes it has them like so disguised but like willie nelson plays himself which is really funny um i think randy travis is in a couple um which is funny because peggy's like loves randy travis Mm -hmm. and oh this is such a funny aside oh my god okay so um i have a really big family huge family Mm -hmm. um and most of them live and make up this tiny town in Texas called Tioga. I was I was 
in my mind right before you said that i was thinking the same thing yeah because i went to church i went to a baptist church in tioga and oh, you i did? thought about it every time and the, i think there's maybe a billboard that, that says hey randy travis yes! lives here so that <laughs> is no that is not what it says oh really back up yeah and the sign they they actually took it down which was so sad so oh, um you have to actually drive through um our hometown to get to tioga and mm-hmm. so i was driving through pilot point to get to Tioga, and um, they did used to have this sign because Randy Travis used to ha- live in Tioga, yeah, yeah. um, and they had this sign um, that when you drove in, it said "Pray for Randy Travis." Because <laughs> he's old. Pray because I don't even know if it was because he was old or because he like got into some wacky like drug stuff oh. and like like was just having all these like um, mental I think, health issues. I, think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. I heard a rumor that he went to the Tiger Mart in her hometown and that he went in there naked. Shut the fuck up. I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, So, you know, what's really funny. uh, JT, my roommate. Yeah. He so he lived. I, I don't know if it was in Crossroads or really close to Crossroads. I think I know what you're talking about. But um he showed me this uh, TikTok there. I guess his mom sent him like a, not a TikTok or a Snapchat or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was like a commercial or something like promoting Randy Travis, maybe marketing material. But it was like his backyard uh, from when he was a kid. And Randy Travis, after he moved away from Tioga, I guess all that shit like just was too much. And they went, I mean, he's a rich man. I'm sure he has multiple properties. But yeah. from what I heard, like receded over to the crossroads area and Apparently bought uh, JT's uh, parents' old place. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That's wild. Yeah. Like, literally, it's funny we were talking about that. Like, anyway, I'm sorry. We're g- I'm getting off on a tangent. But, uh, yeah, fucking Randy Travis. <laughs> yeah. But but then it is funny because then it, it's uh, they, they have people who, um, I don't know, maybe take on roles that you wouldn't usually suspect. And that is um, the power of animation. So I think that was a good point you made, David. Um, The show also just like, man, they do all this kind of funny Texas stuff. And so I had thought about this. So like Luann, Hank's niece, Peggy's, or I guess it's like Peggy's actual niece and Hank's, whatever. Luann Platter. She's named after um, a combo that was at Luby's, um, which was a restaurant in Texas that I believe. Has There's been, one. Is there I one re- left? There's only, I think it's still operational here in Denton. No, not no, in it Denton. No, they closed, I see. There was one in Denton for the longest time. Did you ever go there? Yes, multiple times. Me too. Times, multiple me too. Times. I always remember going with my grandma. Yes, it, and it took me like reading this article where I noticed the where they said Louisiana Platter to like no, realize where I was like getting Luann's name from like I was like that was at Luby's oh, like um, that's funny I used to love Luby's I actually hated it really um, dude I thought of it I I it's so cliche in my mind I, I think of people getting old people getting out of church on Sundays they're out of their retirement homes uh, like they're let out a certain day and everybody goes to the Luby's cafe and I like just the, uh, they had blue jello and I loved blue, blue jello. jello yeah Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have blue jello. Anyways, that was an aside. Um, okay, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, so um, Luann, the Luann platter at Luby's. Um, the... Oh, I see in your notes you wrote the 
Lubies in the show was called Lulies. Yeah, and you'll see um, Hank and Peggy and Bobby like all eating there a lot. Um, it's kind of like uh, their central, the show's central restaurant or is whatever. Is Lubies a Texas thing? So I don't know if Lubies is like only in Texas, but. I feel like people definitely associate it with Texas. <laughs> yeah, cool. Nice. <laughs> kind of like Whataburger. Um, which, um, like, aside from just Luby's, they also um, played on Whataburger and King of the Hills called Wantaburger. Um, Hooters is called Bazooms, which is so That's, funny. That- they should fire the writer who wrote that one. What? That's funny. I like it. I like South Park. Uh, South Park's more raisins. Um, their equivalent for Hooters or whatever. What is it in South Park? What is their they, equivalent? Uh, raisins. Raisins. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I guess they're good. So, so awful. That's oh god. The Hills, they actually live on this street called Rainy Street. And I believe, like, Mike Judge was, like, inspired by that because there is actually a Rainy Street in Austin, Texas, where he lived for a while. Oh, wow. Um, And we were just talking about this earlier, but um, I guess Seinfeld is mentioned more than once. I wasn't sure if it was just in that one episode or if it was more than once. So it is mentioned uh, multiple times because they want to show Arlen in a contemporary moment, but also like they want you to be able to like go back like. Like, you can watch any episode today and find it timely. Like, it's zeitgeisty still, like, no matter what. You said it, not me. Um, Because, like, so that's why, like, all the characters have, like, a certain style of clothing. Um, Their hair is all a certain way. Like, they just wanted to, like, kind of preserve um, these certain moments. And, you know, it's like David and I were just talking about Seinfeld. Like, this show could take place in 2021 where it could take place in 2001 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's just kind of another dynamic of it that um has kind of kept it relevant and um has i think also led to it inspiring current content that is you know happening now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. obviously thinking of bob's burgers but right. certainly even live action shows Let's see. So let's see. Oh, um, oh, I thought this was interesting. I didn't know this until I started researching. Um, but we were just talking a little bit ago about, um, the scandal of, um, Joseph being, um, John Redcord's son instead of, um, Dale's. Sorry. Um, but John, so John Redcorn, his name was inspired, um, after a character in a 1938, I'm assuming 1938 Marks Brothers movie called Room Service. I don't know if that's John Redcorn or just the name Joseph Redcorn. Redcorn. Um, but what I thought was interesting that I found was Brittany Murphy. Um, was Joseph's voice until he hits puberty. Um, and then another actor takes over. Oh, interesting. I never realized that. Oh, oh, okay, cool. That's and then funny. It was interesting because they point out that, like you said this earlier too, um, Joseph gets the stubble. Like, Joseph, Peach fuzz, yeah. mm-hmm. Joseph hits puberty, but Bobby never does. Yeah, he does. yeah, that is right. That is right. But then it's so funny because Bobby comes off as more of the ladies' man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love it. Um, so I guess, again, that all just kind of goes back to like the show twisting 
our expectations. Definitely. Um, it's very special. It's very, very, very special show. So much so that, yeah, I, wrote, I see that you wrote here that in fall 2008, it began its 13th and final season, second only to The Simpsons. Yeah, and so I'm guessing it must have, um, yeah, in the fall. So it was near the end of the year because I don't think it actually ended until 2009, the next year it had. I see. Now, um, is this longest running animated sitcom or just sitcom? I think just sitcom, but this would have just been um, in 2008, like shows. I see. Yeah. It's not that Man, anymore. I, I hear... I- just TV shows are getting so good at what they do now. Like just these, I guess these types of shows, not animation, but just, I think our generation is very creative and that we get these, um, or not, I wouldn't even say our generation. I think it just, everybody's talented that we, the good ideas stick out and they like, I think of always sunny, always sunny was in the running for like longest running something Yeah, or, you know, and then curb, yeah, you know, Seinfeld back in the day was. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is the bulk of what I wanted to talk about with King of the Hill. I think, you know, really exploring this episode. Um, yeah. Did you, you have any thoughts before we get to our takeaways that you want to talk about or any uh, questions that you have that um, maybe. Anything that wasn't brought up. Mm, let me think. Um, no, I just. I think it's a really special show. I think we'll kind of get go ahead and go into the takeaways if you're okay with that. Yeah. Do you want to go first or do you um, want me to? Yeah, I think that uh, I'll go first. Um, definitely. I what I, what I'll say is that this. I think ever since I've watched the TV show, I even think whenever I was younger, I knew that it was a special TV show. Um, I don't know if that was because it was sub. In my young mind, I'm sure I wasn't thinking about subverting expectations at every yeah. corner, but you know, King of the Hill definitely did do that. And, um, I guess what I, my takeaway from it is that, you know, I was, I put cartoons in here, but I just mean like animated, um, material. I think that yes. it's really special because it goes, it can, it can go to any, it can form to whatever type of show you want. You can be, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm thinking of anime at the moment. Like, uh, you can, you can have these stories and that type of art style and, uh, talk about, you know, these, I'm thinking like somebody yesterday at that uh, party was talking to me about that Castlevania Netflix show and that it's like, Super, you know, cliche anime type, oh, okay, yeah. uh, but it's also really gory as well. Yeah. Uh, but then you get like a archer, um, like it's like a play on uh, James Bond and it's really witty and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I think of, you know, tying it back into King of the Hill, King of the Hill is very special because it's, uh, one, I think, you know, Every, obviously, every TV show is going to have a different art style, but uh, so it just generally looks different. But King of the Hill, I think, is a, a good example of that because it definitely has an art style of its own. I think even from Mike Judd's other work, Beavis and Butthead, and I, off the top of my head, I can't think of the others, but um, I think that the Texas, you know, subverting the Texas uh, cliches and things like that, those, um, you know, stereotypes texas stereotypes that it, it makes it a special show and then uh yeah i'm just I, in my mind i'm thinking of all that can you think of any other um animated content that 
really subverts. I'm thinking of my sisters are watching this show called Gravity Falls, and apparently, oh that's, sure, yeah. Uh, have you watched Steven Universe? Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess that's a whole other side. I completely forgot. Like uh, Bob's Burgers is a great example. You're I see so many Bob stickers on your Bob's Burgers stickers on your laptop right now, and I, I'm yeah. so surprised I didn't even bring that up. But it's, I mean, I, I appreciate like what you're saying because I think. You know, um, and, and I was going to talk about Bob's Burgers and my takeaway, but to still kind of focus on yours, Mm -hmm. there are boundaries that cartoons can, um, kind of explode or like uh, ignore or go beyond that live action can't. And the different approaches that these shows have like the um it's just interesting what they have to say about the world Mm -hmm. through these different because it's almost unlimited can i use i think what's a really good example um i'm thinking of south park and i I say this because i not too long ago i really love that documentary that they do about south park and how they produce the show yeah you've watched six six days to air yes yes i I think it's it's amazing uh their their process kind of stresses me out makes me anxious but uh nonetheless i they i think they encapsulated it good i can't remember who exactly said it but um i think it was probably matt stone trey parker whatever but they were talking about the, you know, there's that disassociation. So separated from Curb, Always Sunny, Seinfeld, where it's live action, mm-hmm. um, you know, South Park or these animated uh, television shows, they can do things that live action certainly couldn't. And so yeah. I'm bringing up uh, what I'm specifically thinking of. I think they bring up the example of just all the South Park gets away with so much fucking shit because so I think it is animated and that it's not necessarily there. I think along with that, that disassociation that we have from live action to animated, it kind of jumps over into that feeling, I guess, if that makes sense. Absolutely. This is a bit of a tangent, but that documentary you brought up, that's a very good documentary that I recommend you should watch. I don't know if it's six days or seven days to uh, air, six, six days, days to air. air. Yeah. Very, very good. HBO, it's great. Um, I think just generally watching that has you appreciate animation and generally more. Of course, South Park, it's so um, zeitgeisty in the mm-hmm. moment that it, it's literally that crunch time for it. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it's funny that you say that because in that documentary, there's they talk about that South Park episode where they um, do a spoof of the human centipede. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like only animation could get away with that. Oh, yeah. I think that's what they were talking about specifically. Um, yeah, that little section. But it, but then it's funny. So whenever you were talking about or and we were talking about like the sort of lack of limitations of animation. I was thinking of Adventure Time. Okay, yeah, and I was uh, that was one that it popped into my mind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think Adventure Time, you just have to watch an episode to see what I'm saying. Like, um, how Jake morphs himself. Yeah, I think then, it's very psychedelic, and it's but still essentially geared towards children. I'm Now I'm thinking of, like... I was thinking earlier about Looney Tunes. Like they can, oh, they can perfect. get, a, they can give, get away with the, um, the violence, I guess. Yes. Uh, that's a cart- great example. Uh, you know, violence or whatever. Um, that's a, you know, a great example. And then, uh, 
you said uh, Adventure Time, and then I'm, I think Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Cartoon Network, and just all these. I don't know. Now, now I'm just kind of going through my backlog of what I've watched, and uh, it. Yeah, it's it's amazing that that. Well, I think the like, and it's interesting because like. When I I have watched more animation as an adult than I ever did as a kid. I thought animation was for kids, and I didn't want to be a part of that when yep. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it, it's so interesting. And like, if I ever had kids, like I said, I don't really want them. But if I did, like, I would make them watch like Adventure Time. I would make them watch Steven Universe. Like Steven Universe is a great show. It's it's. I, I think I think this plays into what I'm trying to say here is that this animated material or this animated TV shows allow for different genres, art styles, different. Yeah. And King of the Hill is a great example. That's Steven a Universe really is a great point. example. It's very uh, one. It just teaches you. I Steven Universe. I've loved. And have you ever watched the movie? Uh, of course, you've I watched the movie. To, yeah. I don't know. No, really. With Wait, the with um with the uh, like, song. Yes. Where they with saying the, um, um, there's the, like, like really an evil song? evil stone ones like really Is that long where Garnet, stretches like sings um um stronger than you or something? something like that yeah like it's that very, it's really musically driven yeah um, that movie but I I do enjoy Steven Universe I didn't even think of that in our conversation but yeah Steven Universe is good because um Steven Universe is like all around nice and it's talking about really like complex it's talking about like mental illness and and shit like that and just being compassionate and like i think you know we i think we even maybe talked about this on the movie podcast we did about borat is that these tv shows week to week will have lessons right and steven universe does that very well yes so I'm sorry, this is a really long tangent or, you know, really long takeaway, but definitely, you know, these animation allows for these different stories to be told. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and to just kind of go back to what you said, because I, I'm not about to say I'm an expert in this, but something that you said a little bit ago that stuck out to me is the different artistic styles mm-hmm. um, yeah. creators take towards achieving how they're going to explore whatever it is they're exploring because i i would say similar to steven universe king of the hill episodes often have some sort of moral or lesson or like Mm -hmm. epiphany that the audience gains from it you know or that even maybe just a character in the show gains from it maybe we're like oh we um you know we know bobby's not gonna like sports that's not gonna work out Mm -hmm. but oh he found his thing like uh doing this or that or whatever however he got there a lot of interest yeah um and so i I just think you know this the stylistic choices people make and that creators make um are interesting to think about and um because when i think about it too now um then were you kind of wrapped up with your takeaways or did you have anything else you wanted to say um because i I, like i said i i bob's burgers is my favorite show ever. I know. Everyone knows this about me. Everyone gives me Bob's Burgers gifts. Um, And so I think for me, um, 
and it's kind of cute. I, I don't know. Maybe this is a moral lesson in itself is I really didn't get into Bob's Burgers until I, until I started watching it with you, David and Crystal. And right. um, I would go, you know, we would all hang out, you know, on our breaks from class or after class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And y'all would have Bob's Burgers on. And I suddenly I don't know what happened. Like I watched an episode and I was like, this is the funniest show I've ever seen. Went home, watched it all, became obsessed but I, I still never like got into King of the Hill, even though like I would see people watching that. But I think, you know, King of the Hill, and I say, I think I say this every single episode, King of the Hill walked so that Bob's Burgers could run. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. King of the Hill, the characters seem more lifelike to me. I wanted to mention that. I know this is probably really late time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but compared to the Bob's Burgers characters, um Do you think that's maybe are you mentioning like that with the art style? Yeah. Like, okay. No, yeah, that's that's where I'm okay. trying to bring that up because I'm not certain. Like this is something that I am gonna take away and think about is like those choices. Like why do the Bob's Burgers characters not look as human? What kind of choice was that in um creating that show in what we gained from that but at the end of the day um coming back to king of the hill i just think that as a cartoon thinking about it um again i didn't watch it when it first aired but i'm just thinking about it in conjunction with like the simpsons and family guy animation domination animation domination shows um and it's unfortunate, I think, you know, that it ended before Bob's Burgers came on. I would love to, like, have experienced that back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But... Actually, before... Uh, no, go ahead. Wrap up your thought. Um, I just wanted to say, so I, I think about um, The Simpsons and then Family Guy, which are shows I'm familiar with, not really, haven't really invested myself in. Mm-hmm. But there's that lack of connection to both of them immediately and you even kind of get this with bobs because they don't look as human like they don't look naturally as human as the hills do they don't have that initial identification factor that you can make with king of the hill just Mm -hmm. from a stylistic choice and that's really interesting to think about one and two it's like because of that um, I think that that is part of just what made the show so successful, which I mean, of course, but more than that, like their tediousness, tedious tendencies towards the show, towards detail, towards, um, you know, just the subtleties that are in there that we talked about earlier, I think that is what just kept it thriving for so long and what made it so excellent. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to Oh my goodness. That thunder shook the window. Yeah. My goodness. I was like, I was about to say, Shannon, I hope the tornado sirens don't go off again. Good Lord. You texted Gosh. me that early. I was like, Oh man. So that flash or whatever, but uh, hopefully we could finish. It. Were you wrapped up with your song? Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I feel like I said a lot of nothing there for a second, but the choices and the the, styles and I just think, you know, I'm really happy that we have like Bob's Burgers now, but this is where I was going. I'm Mm -hmm. really happy that we have Bob's Burgers now, which is very, you know, indicative of King of the Hill, very similar thematically, even has some episodes that are like 
um, very similar plot wise. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, nothing is ever going to be King of the Hill again because it did it first and it. Right. It, it, it had that special sauce and I think it, it's really a testament to how good the show was for how long it ran. Um, it just, the there was that substance that I'm not going to say that other shows lack, but King of the Hill had in spades. I'll tell you what. <laughs> nice, nice. There was one final thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, we didn't put it anywhere in here, but they're talking about a revival of it. Oh, yeah, I yeah, was yeah, doing yeah, yeah. Whenever uh, I was reading over the outline a couple, I think a week or two ago or something like that, I did some research onto. I didn't write anything down in the outline, unfortunately. I just got, you know, some stuff for myself. But um, it said that it, they want to revive it. Apparently they're in talks or something. I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. I think I've heard that. Um, they they want to start it back up, but it's going to be a few years in the future. So Bobby's like he's in middle school, so he'll be in high school or something. Yeah. Or, and then Hank's a little older. Peggy's a little older. Luann's a little older. You know, yeah. just I think that would be fun. Would I, you Would you want that? I think uh, it could be if it's done right. I think it could be good. And that, that all was my concern comes with it, back to the nature of animation. Because I think, you know, if they tried to use the real people, that absolutely would not work. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean real people? Like if it, it was like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like uh, how they tried to do this friends thing, like where they brought the friends back together. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, Shannon. So uh, with that, I guess we really don't have too much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I would love to hear, you know, um, from any of our listeners, if you watch King of the Hill, if you've lived in Texas, if, um, you know, there's anything you can remark on, you know, yeah, about yeah. how it's, you relate to it or how it, uh, you know, you see yourself in one of the characters or in your friends or something like that. I know, um, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, definitely leave, uh, whenever the show releases, I'm sure I'll, I'll put something out there leave. Like I was thinking, I was talking to you before that I would kind of want to do voicemails, uh, but not integrate them into the show where we talk about them at the time, Yeah, but like have them as leading out, uh, things. So like people give their impressions as well. I think that would yeah. be fun. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, there, you know, if you uh, want to support the show, uh, go follow our Facebook, go follow our Instagram, follow our Patreon, uh, go subscribe. It's a good time. Uh, but on that note, I'm ready to get out of here. How about you, Shannon? Bye all. Oh, yes. Quick, mm-hmm. quick. We're ready. Actually, before, <laughs> not too quick, Shannon, what are we talking about, uh, uh next week? Um, next time we're talking about, ooh, so it's, we're probably going to have to jog some memories, but we're going to talk about Yik Yak. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't come back. (laughs) Not the song. It's not going to be about the song. (laughs) But uh, it's fun. It's fun. Let's see if anybody can think about that one for a little. Let that one stew. Yik yak. Cool. No, very exciting. Alrighty. All right. See y'all next time.
of the Zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. My co-host and researcher for the show is Shannon Boffman.